0: prophet Jeremiah's lament, chapter 5. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head, and woe to us, for we have sinned. And because of this, our hearts are sick. Because of these things, our eyes have grown dim. Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why have you forgotten us completely? Why have you forsaken us these many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Lamentations 5. Everyone, to be human is to pray. And everybody prays, even atheists pray, statistically it says. To pray is to be human, and right now the entire world is praying in some fashion or another. Yes? The coronavirus has turned us into 6 billion people on the planet in some type of prayer. For Christians and Jews, prayer is shaped and formed by the Bible. And so on this rare and strange morning of the dispersed church... Once again, I want to teach us how to pray during a time like this. But just before I throw us into the Bible's model for prayer, um, allow me to state that I think there's ultimately a, a, a ultimate spiritual lesson here that's, that we all should be learning right now. If we want to zoom out and take the 30,000 foot view, which is what I always do. And that lesson is this. Life, everyone, life is all about control. Humans love to be in control, and when we cannot control things, we freak out. Life is all about control. Humans are compulsive about control, and we humans, therefore, have met our match. Pandemics win the control battle, apparently, every time. Apparently, viruses want to be in control even more than we humans want to be in control. Virus wins, and we must acknowledge its voice and pay the price and do what it says if we want it to uh, be contained. But the fact is, is this is not what I observe within us. I see people so in love with being in control that some just want to ignore the virus and say something like, well, the media's just overblown this whole thing. This is no big deal. Let's just go on with our lives and act like it's nothing, which is not a smart idea. And then other people go the other extreme and they say, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and just wake me up when this whole thing's over. I don't want to hear anymore." And others say, well, nobody's going to take my toilet paper, so I'm getting a gun. Control, 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 control. Humans want to be in control and we'll do anything we can. I think the, uh, the image for this last week's The Economist magazine, it's about one of the only magazines I get, news magazine. Um, the cover image is a... Um, A little wiener dog with a mask and a leash going to its master who's wearing a mask and then there's a leash on the master and a hand out of heaven we don't want to be on a leash I don't think the economist is sitting around saying like oh yes we all want to be leashed to God instead it's saying like "Uh uh-uh we want to be in control and we don't like it when something else is in control So in response to a world bent on control, I propose prayer and a certain kind of prayer, not just any prayer, although any prayer will do, but there is a certain kind of way, there's a certain way to pray during a time like this. And it's called lament, as in lamentations, like Jeremiah and Jonah and Job and everybody else in the Bible, all those prophets who end up talking about lament. In the Bible, we find this very, very messy people called the Jews, and they're just like the rest of us. Or as one modern Jew uh, put it, he said, Jews are just like everybody else, only more so. That's probably about right. I wouldn't really call them the chosen people as much as I call them the picked on people. And maybe the Jews really are the example tribe of people for the entire human world in human history. The one thing we can say about the Jews is that they prayed and they taught the rest of us how to pray. It doesn't take take much digging into the Bible to see how the Jews prayed. The biggest book in the Bible is the Psalms, 150 prayers in the Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible. Two-thirds of those Psalms are filled with praise and adoration and certitude and how wonderful everything is and how steadfast God is and how we should worship him. But there's another third that more often are called lament. Or they're the ones of, uh, as one scholar put it, they're the Psalms of disorientation, which is where we find ourselves right now. And these are the ones I want to focus on. A third of the Psalms, lament. You know what lament means, right? Lament is what the prophet Jeremiah writes, like we read at the top of this. In 586 BCE, Jeremiah sits down in the dust and the dirt and the rubble of the once beautiful city of Jerusalem, now burned, torn down, and carried off by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah writes his lament, and we call it the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 1, Jeremiah writes, how deserted lies the city, once so full of people, how like a widow she is, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Jeremiah goes on to pound on God's door in Lamentations. Jeremiah argues with God, complains with God. He even tells God that he wishes he was never born, and then he blames God for the fact that he was born. Understand that this kind of prayer is unique to the Bible. You don't find it in any other world religion. The Greeks prayed to Zeus like Zeus was a vending machine god. You don't want a vending machine god. The Greeks, the Greeks had the idea that you must um, propitiate, that you must supplicate, that you must make proper offering and sacrifice. Otherwise, the gods, these capricious gods like Zeus and Poseidon, they're going to do evil to you because you didn't do it right. But how do you know with a vending machine, God, whether or not you've put in the right amount of coinage? How do you know you've done it right? What if you're a sailor and you're about to take a voyage, let's say for commerce, and you go to the temple of Poseidon and you offer up your sacrifice in prayer, but just down from you is another sailor who's going in the opposite direction and wants a more favorable wind than you do. Maybe his, his prayer and offering's better. What do you do with that? You don't want to get into this vending machine God game. It's not going to go well. And that's not what we have in the Bible. You see it every now and then in the Bible, but it's always seen as something wrong. Not in the Bible. In the Bible, we have things like lament. We have Jeremiah pounding on God's door. Jeremiah argues and he complains. And yet he ends up clinging to God. If you go on a retreat with me, we study human attachment, just briefly. You know, attachment, um, attachment is the way little ducklings attach and follow their caregiver. Humans attach, and that's a good thing. That's how we nurture and raise little human beings to be big human beings. Now, some species do not attach. A lot of species don't attach. Take, for instance, rabbits. I, I hate to tell you this, but all those cute little rabbits... Their mommies and daddies do not care about the babies. I'm sorry to burst your Easter bunny bubble, but rabbits do not attach. They are just like rats and cockroaches. They rely on volume, not nurture. They just have more and more and hope that some of them make it. I'm sorry. But humans attach. And here's the interesting thing is God is seen as an attachable figure in psychology. God is an attachment figure, which is really interesting. There is no other uh, God other than the God of the Bible that is viewed as attachable. Zeus, Poseidon, other myth stories and so forth, the other world religions, they do not have an attachable God. By the way, researchers find this very curious. In other words, you can lament to God of the Bible, and Jeremiah does. Poor old Job he laments and he complains to God. The Psalms lament and pound on God's door. And here's how the Jews then teach the world how to pray. And they continue to show us how to pray during the most unimaginable situations. And it even goes on today with Jews. Allow me to uh, read you an excerpt of a Bible that you probably had to read in high school. Uh, it's uh, Elie Wiesel's Night. And it's about the Holocaust. And... Um, it's written to inform the world. The reason why he wrote it was to inform the world about the Holocaust during World War II and the plight of the Jews. And uh, I'll just give you this warning. This is graphic. One day, as we returned to work, this is in the uh, concentration camp. One day, as we returned from work, we saw three gallows, three black ravens erected on the Appelplatz. Roll call, the SS... "'surrounded us, machine guns, aimed at us, the usual ritual. three prisoners in chains, and among them a little papel, the sad-eyed angel. "'The SS seemed more preoccupied, more worried than usual. "'To hang a child in front of thousands of onlookers was not a small matter. "'The head of the camp read the verdict.' All eyes were on the child, and he was pale, almost calm, but he was biting his lips as he stood in the shadow of the gallows. This time, the Lagerkapo refused to act as executioner, and three SS took their place. The three condemned prisoners together stepped onto the chairs, and in unison, the nooses were placed around their necks, Long live liberty, shouted the two men. But the boy was silent. Where is a merciful God? Where is he, someone behind me was asking. And at the signal, the three chairs were tipped over. Total silence in the camp. On the horizon, the sun was setting. Caps off, screamed the logger. Capo His voice quivered, as the rest of us who were weeping. "Cover your heads." And then they made us march past the victims. The two men were no longer alive. Their tongues were hanging out and swollen and bluish. But the third rope was still moving. The child, too light, was still breathing. And so he remained for more than a half an hour, lingering between life and death, writhing before our eyes. And we were forced to look on him at close range, and he was still alive when I praised when I passed him. His tongue was still red, his eyes not yet extinguished, and behind me. I heard the same man asking, for God's sake, where's God? And from within me, I heard a voice answer. Where is he? Where's God? This is where, hanging from that gallows. That night, the soup tasted of corpse. Where's God in a time like this? Right here with us right amongst us, suffering as one of us. By Jesus' time, you could say that a lot of the Jews forgotten how to pray. At least the religious leaders did, the Pharisees, they'd forgotten how to pray like this. They'd forgotten the prayers of Jeremiah. 500 years after Jeremiah's lament, the Pharisees had turned prayer into a, a mechanical magic spell, a dry ritual, a farce. O oh God, I thank thee that I am not like this sinner. Far worse, the Pharisees turned God into a capricious Zeus. They had turned God into a moralist who only was concerned with whether or not people were obeying the Torah, the law, just like themselves. But real prayer is the prayer that clings to God while complaining and even blaming God. So get this, because this is a very interesting point about lament. It blames and clings to God at the same time. Our Jewish friends have a Yiddish word for this type of prayer, this relationship with God, and it's called davka. Davka. Davka sums up prayer from the belly. It's a gut prayer, and that this prayer is the same uh, prayer that blames God and yet clings to God. It's sort of a because of God and in spite of God, which is a very curious thing to try and get our minds wrapped around. Or as they say, in spite of and as of yet, is what they said. So years ago, I was trying to figure this out because it's a hard concept. And my, I asked my Jewish brother-in-law uh, while he was still alive, he explained to me this Davka idea that I'd heard of. And he says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was totally like, Oh, yeah, everybody knows this. And he said, oh, it's like this. It's like when I flew to Israel on LLL Airlines, Israeli's airline, and despite that, the fact that the Palestinians had said that they were going to shoot down any LLL Airlines, any flights in and out of, in and out of uh, Israel, in spite of that threat, he said, in spite of that threat, and yet because of the threat, I will fly on LLL Airlines. Go ahead and fly. Face death in spite of and yet because of. I fly because of the threat. This is more than just bravado and courage. This is a way of clinging to God even in spite of the situation, in spite of God. So you apply this to God, and the idea of God, of praying to God in spite of God, is what's going on here. Though you slay me, says Job, though you slay me, still I will cling to you. You have taken everything from me, but I will not leave you. Now we hear this and we say, you know, Job, you're just not very smart. You should just have abandoned this whole thing. That's exactly what Job's friends and his wife told Job. Curse God and die, Job. It's over. But Job knew something we do not. He knows God. A different God than we can imagine. Job did not stop trusting in God just because life was miserable. We can trust God in spite of and because life is miserable. And you may go ahead and blame God all you want. Just don't stop clinging to God. Davka. (laughs) We need Davka prayer these days. We need lament. So here's what I'm asking us during this time of waiting for the angel of death, so to speak, to pass over us during Lent. A very real Lent, by the way. Do not fall into running away from the trouble the world is in. Take a good look at yourself. Watch yourself. It's a time, just like normal Lent, when you self-examine. Pay attention to your feelings. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to the journey that we are all on together. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't run away from the whole thing. Watch your self-control. Anger or compassion, which one are you? Impatient or at peace? Absent or present to yourself and to God? Are you making the most of your time or are you sitting around tapping your foot waiting for the whole thing to go away? Sing praises to God, lament God, lament to God, ask God for simple things. Acknowledge the fact that you have food, that you have your health, that you have a roof over your head, that you have a car, that you can walk, that your family's around. Hang out with God. Hang out with yourself. And see if your spirit doesn't settle down and settle into the season during this unimaginable time. Let us remember, that is what Jesus was, uh, was doing, quietly sleeping in the bottom of the boat while the storm raged all around. And when the disciples wake him up, he just simply says, oh, ye of little faith. And our best response must be and always shall be that of the disciples. Who then is this master of everything? You know what we need right now? Uh, we need a processional. We need something formalized. And our society is not very good at ritual and formalizing things. But really, the idea would be a processional. And uh, a processional is the traditional act of faith of continuing contrition and repentance and lament and remembrance. Also a processional is when we express joy, like at Christmas or at a wedding. Remember the bride and the groom, they process out. The newly married couple, they process in, they process out. Funerals we process. Everyone files past the casket at a funeral, prays and weeps and feels deeply the regret and the loss. And in a funeral procession, everyone prays. One of my most moving experiences in my life was the funeral of my Jewish brother-in-law, who the one who told me about Davka. On a cold, dank January afternoon in old St. Louis, in an old part of St. Louis, in a Jewish cemetery, we formed a long processional, a line for the casket and the family, and a cantor she sang as we walked through the entire cemetery. And she sang this beautiful song, melancholy and full of emotions, singing in Hebrew, a haunting tune. And you could feel the grief and people dealing with life right then and there. And we took that processional right past the, the uh, casket. And then in one of those things that only happens as far as I was ever aware of, that only happens in movies, is that we all picked up shovels. And they lowered the casket, and we buried my brother-in-law. And there was something very healing about that. And very real, with the dirt under our fingernails. So, I propose that what we need right now is a processional. I, I propose we figure out a way to process to the cross on Good Friday and maybe on Easter. The staff was kicking this idea around this week on uh, Zoom and uh, we know pretty much um, we'll not be able to gather probably for church on Holy Week even though we all hope we might be able to we'll see but we can we can hold the cross in common because the cross is what we have in common it's our it's our one hope the cross is the hope of the world it's the symbol of hope for for Christians and we need some solid hope these days yeah don't we So I think I'm going to find this old cross that I was told was out in back of the church building, out there probably laying in the mud, and I think I'm going to drag it around to the front of the parking lot and try and set it up somehow. And then, then, to tell you the truth, I didn't really have it baked up, but we're going to do something. And maybe we come on your own or whatever, and you spend some time at the cross. So I think I'm going to place it in the parking lot. And then you come to the foot of the cross at some point. Maybe we'll do something formal. We'll see what we come up with. You can post a prayer. Maybe put a name there. Bring yourself a push pin and a sharpie and a piece of, you know, hard cardstock paper or something. And put it on the cross. Or maybe drop something that's important at the foot of the cross. You could touch it. Disinfect it. I don't know. Something that would bring meaning something that takes you on a journey, something that causes you to come to a symbol that says there is hope, the hope of the resurrection. And in the meantime, we lament on that process and on that journey towards Easter. We'll figure it out. We'll see what we have. We'll let you know. Meanwhile, I'm going to try and find that cross and put it up. It used to be around here. I have a lament that we can do. You have your part, I have mine. I'll read the whole thing. And here's how it goes. How long, O Lord, will you forget us forever? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from us? How long, O Lord? How long must we bear pain in our soul and have sorrow in our heart all day long? We trusted in your steadfast love. Our heart sings of your salvation. And Jesus says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll, receive, you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live free and light. Let us pray. For those who are suffering from sickness and pain, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who struggle to make ends meet, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sad and feel lonely and alone, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are judged, for their skin color or accent, Lord, hear our prayer. For the victims of violence and crime, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who stand up to evil, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for justice and mercy to embrace. May this time be filled with hope and light. And may we be your ambassadors of love and simple good by the power of the name Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Amen. And let us pray the way the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, everyone, uh, let's do our blessing that we love so much. If you know it, recite it with me. Otherwise, just receive it. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.